Well, hello, everybody. My name is Tom Miller, owner and CEO of Leaders Building Leaders, and I'm here with my teammate and partner, Katie Reidenauer. Hello, everybody. Katie and I are so excited to be here to talk on this critical topic for any organizational leader to truly master how to lead difficult adults. And we wanted to take this time to share some stories of how we have failed in our communication and our abilities to connect with difficult people, the strategies that we have learned based upon those failures and from other leaders, and how we have most importantly learned to succeed since those failures when leading difficult adults. So if this is your first time on one of our leadership calls, we welcome you. Now whether you're joining live on this call right now or by the archive recording, we are so excited to have you with us. And, and all of us at Leaders Building Leaders, we wake up each day to be the difference maker in the leadership development of individuals and organizations. Now, we know that we've got some great content that's going to make a difference in your life today. Now, there's one thing that I know for sure, Katie, and that's mm -hmm. that the most difficult adult in my life to lead is me. <laughs> so, so, as, so as I was preparing for this session, and you know, maybe you had some of the same thoughts, every single challenge or characteristic that I identified was one that I've either done myself or worked hard to overcome. And, and I'm still getting better every single day, but as always, I know that I'm, I'm just one step away from being stupid. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Tom. I'm, <laughs> I feel your pain. Uh, and everybody, I second Tom in welcoming you to today's call. As Tom mentioned, this call is part of our weekly mentorship call for leaders in a program called Blueprint for Success. This is for school leaders, whether they're principals, assistant principals, or aspiring school leaders. We open this call to anyone today because honestly, every leader of every organization on the planet has to deal with difficult adults. So welcome. Whether you are a school leader, a nonprofit leader, a small business or corporate leader, we welcome you. We will take the next 50 minutes or so and dive into how the most effective leaders lead difficult adults. We will teach three specific strategies on how to lead difficult adults without worry of conflict and without wasting our most precious resources, time and energy. In addition, we will offer you tools of success that Tom and I use in our daily practice to build influence and deepen understanding of human behavior. You should have received an email with a downloadable worksheet to utilize. This will help keep you focused during the call and track those gems that are going to appear. It's not as important to write down what we say as it is to write down the thought that comes to you and your awareness as you listen to the call. Yeah, so thank you, Katie. So let's get started. And, and I want you, you know, to know Katie had mentioned we'll be sharing some of the tools that uh, we have uh, you know, in the programs. That will be an opportunity. Uh, you know, whether you're you know, with us on this call, um, we promise you know, some of you will have a chance to really invest deeper and take some next steps uh, to grow your uh, leadership. So one thing I want to make sure uh, that I put in the ear of everybody, nothing Katie or I say today is meant to excuse the inappropriate behavior 
from some adults. And, and to get prepared for this session, we, we posted two questions in our closed School Leadership Forum Facebook page. And if you're not a member, I highly recommend you to you can search School Leadership Forum or you can search me on Facebook and I'll I get you in there. The first question that we posted was what behaviors do do you observe difficult adults conducting any organization that you lead or in the community? Now looking at our Facebook page, we sure received some great responses about the employees in the workplace. I heard uh, there's the defensive employees, the I work so hard, how dare you give me feedback, I am here late and on weekends. There's the inflexible employee, if the students are not learning, it's their fault. Don't forget the fearful employee, the one who's afraid of change and complaining is their way of solving problems. There's the conflict avoider. These employees talk to everyone about the challenges they are having, except for the person they are having the issue with. They, someone offered a description of a two-faced employee, otherwise known as the skillful politician. This is the one who dresses the part and talks the part in the right crowds. Then once they have you one-on-one, -on -one, look out. There are the apathetic employees. There's the blocker with clout, the arrogant and indifferent employees, the one who doesn't take responsibility for his or her actions. There are difficult employees who might have past pain that has been unresolved that can cause big problems on your campus. Finally, there are the stubborn, the closed, the fearful, and distracted employees. Boy, human resources sounds like a lot of fun once you start thinking about these employees. Yeah, that's some awful list. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm starting to get a stomachache just remembering the instances of that uh, skillful politician from when I was a principal. And, and so, so, you know, Katie, as you were looking at this list, was there any that, that you know, resonated with you specifically? Oh, yes. I'm thinking of a time I was rolling out a new plan that I just knew would be a slam dunk. Boy, was I wrong. I wanted my teachers to create unit plans in collaboration with our literacy facilitator. The idea was by the end of the year, we would have unit plans for every grade, so the next school year we wouldn't be starting from ground zero. Well, there were two teachers who thought this exercise was a huge waste of time, and they decided to sabotage my plan. Instead of coming to the meeting with the literacy facilitator ready to collaborate, they filled out the form beforehand and simply handed it over to her at the beginning of the meeting. The literacy facilitator didn't really know what to do. She wasn't expecting that. So she just reviewed it, asked a few questions, and then she ended the meeting. Since she had some extra time, she walked down to my office to talk to me about it. She was frustrated. I, I told her I would talk with the teachers and we would have the meeting next week. So I called on each teacher separately and asked them what happened. The more vocal teacher said, we did what you asked. This teacher had excuses for not collaborating. I explained that the sum of their parts was stronger than their individual efforts, but the teacher had made up her mind. The other teacher followed suit. I told them to come to the next meeting prepared to collaborate, and I started going to the meetings. 
For the next meeting, these teachers did not provide the typed up unit plan as they did the first time, but it was clear that they had completed the plan. And from then on, each week, they had completed the plan and they simply were not interested in collaborating. In the end, I did have unit plans for the entire school year from them, but I lost them as colleagues. They were inflexible and quite frankly, so was I. Instead of finding common ground and building credibility with them, I stayed on my agenda. They left for another school at the end of that year, and I learned a lot about leadership from that painful loss. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing and that uh, transparency there, uh, Katie. I know that's tough. And, and so, so, so the second question that we put up, you know, the first one was based upon the behaviors. So then we were curious, what, what characteristics do you typically see in these difficult adults? And again, we got some great responses. I highly encourage you to, to join our school leadership forum. Uh, one was unapproachable. They, they just always seem challenged or put out <laughs> by any request, no matter how small. Uh, selfish, dramatic, insecure, and dishonest. And, and I'm sure you on the call uh, have some other significant examples uh, that you could add to our list. Well, I have a question for you, Tom. What happens if you don't identify these characteristics and address these behaviors? <laughs> well, I was afraid you'd ask that one specifically. Uh, <laughs> I've really thought about this, and I guess in looking at those behaviors, you know, I feel like I have a story that, you know, one particular teacher that hit all of them uh, in a in a very short. And uh, um, in one particular year, uh, I had five teacher transitions just in one middle school science class by October of that school year, and wow. and and so uh, we had we we thought we found this this uh, strong candidate. Uh, she just moved into the area and and was definitely built for a middle school. Uh, she was strong in content, strong in classroom management, but. And in about two weeks after uh, starting, she really had the class uh, moving in the right direction. So, uh, and 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 to give you a little context of that, you know, our veteran teacher had left for the school system earlier, and then she was replaced by an internal candidate. Didn't last a week. So at this point, when this teacher came on board, my office was in that classroom. I and a full-time <laughs> sub covered that uh, class. So, and that 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 year started off so strong. You know, our, our middle school was really moving in a great direction. We had built some effective uh, professional learning communities. We had uh, built a 90-minute uh, block scheduling across the school, and we had really strong cross-curriculum planning going on. Now, to get there, it took some real pushing, uh, and and but we had we had worked as a team collaboratively to establish norms and non-negotiables. Um, that that were reiterated at the at the start of the school year and and you know you know at the beginning of every meeting, and that teacher though, since she came on in October, she missed all that you know she didn't really have mm -hmm. that 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 history. Well, right. after a couple of weeks, I just started to notice some some curious things happening with with her. Anytime that we had a staff meeting or maybe there was a PLC meeting, I just noticed something else was going on, right? Whether she had to catch up with grading uh, or she had something personal she had to attend. And so you know, it was causing her to miss, to miss some meetings. 
Now, despite these issues, the class was really coming around. And every walkthrough that I came through, uh, kids were learning, and they were very focused. And you know, occasionally we had a parent complain about the level of work or with the accountability calls home from the teacher that sometimes were a little late, you know, 8:30, 9 o'clock at night. But heck, you know, we didn't have this accountability before, so I was I was all for it at the time. <laughs> Now, I did have one particular student pull me aside once and said, you know, Mr. Miller, when you're in our class, she acts differently. Now, once you leave, and I was like, whoa, 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 what do you mean she acts differently? She said, well, she doesn't use her whistle, and she doesn't <laughs> yell at us. And I was like, I've never heard a whistle. Uh, and, then, and then I did have a couple of staff members just you know, say, you know, she hasn't come to a PLC meeting in, in a month. Hmm. So, so I had a talk with her. It was really a passive-aggressive talk on my part. I explained our goals and, and how I knew she hadn't you know, been there at the start of the year, but this is what we expected. And, and, uh, and, and, and she immediately went on the defensive about the amount of work she had, how, many, how far the students were behind. I was like, okay, just listen. Just make sure you're communicating with your teammates, you know. Hmm. Now, the last thing I wanted at this time was another transition because we had made it to March, right? I was like, we're almost there. We only have one more quarter. Well, it didn't, it didn't get much better. And over the next 30 days, uh, our staff really tried hard, and especially when she had a, a personal um, issue. Uh, her husband, who was a, a local high school teacher, he was charged with the crime of having child pornography on his school computer, and then mm. so we too were investigating them because they were. So this is really tough, and our staff helped her move and find a new place, and they really went above and beyond. But her demeanor really changed after that, and and I just have found myself honestly avoiding her classroom during walkthroughs, which. I don't think you were ever on our campus, but it was almost impossible because to get to one class to the other, you had to walk through every class. There was a connecting uh, closet and door. <laughs> I used to physically walk out of one classroom, around her class, into the next building. And, yeah, and so you this, never get this, better doing that, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so I, I still remember. It was a Wednesday night. I got this lengthy email from a parent about you know, the teacher's phone call to her, her tone of voice, how she was treating her kid. And I was like, oh, enough is enough. So I had called my, my uh, trusty substitute teacher who had been in there with me a couple times already. I said, hey, look, uh, I need you tomorrow if you're available. And so she said, I'll be there. And, and so you know, first thing in the morning I got there, and you know, typically that, that science teacher was at the copier because she loved, she loved making copies. And, and so I, I, I got there, and I noticed her car was already here. I was like, oh, gosh. So I, so I shot down to her uh, classroom. And I noticed, now, Katie, you remember, you remember you know, back in the day, the mailman used to bring us those giant telephone books, right, when everybody had oh, a yeah. landline. And they, there was, it, was, it was like 30 pounds. Well, I'm telling you, when I walked into the classroom, she had like multiple stacks of telephone books worth of copies in, in, in her arms. And she was you know, putting them in piles on the side. So I said, hey, can you put those down? I just wanted to talk to you about a couple of things, and, and, and so, I just, so I just let her know that, that her, her behavior was just too much of an impact 
on the staff and the students and now the parents. And there was just too many complaints. And I told her a little bit about the one that I got the night before. And, and honestly, I hadn't seen her made any effort to be a better collaborator and communicator and team player you know, when we talked 30 days ago. And, and so this, this is going to be your last day on campus. And, and I'm going to pay you through the rest of the year. And I just, I just want you to just get, get your stuff back. To, I mean, whatever you've got to do, get your stuff back together and, and you know, be able to move forward. And I you know, thanked her for her time. Now, if you ever watched Sanford and Son, when Red Fox, you would say, Wheezy, Wheezy, I'm coming. Oh, yeah. Pretend I'm hard <laughs> She basically did the same thing and fell back limply into a, a desk. So yeah. I kind of jumped through a couple of rows to, to help her. I thought she was going to fall and hit her head. And, and she said, don't you put your hands on me. And then she ran immediately over to her desk and started to try to delete you know, the files on her computer. I walked over to the desk, and I, I just put my hand on top of the laptop. I was like, you're going to have time to get your personal things for right now. You know, I just think it would be best if, if you know, we, you know, we had to leave. Now, at that time, I could start to hear students lining up because homeroom was only minutes away, and I could see that substitute teacher was waiting. She looked at me, and then she looked at those telephone book stacks of copies, and she ran over. Now, if you remember, those, like the feats of strength, those really strong men, they would try to tear a telephone oh, yeah. book in half. She ran right over, Katie, and she tried to do it. She tried oh. to tear all those, all those tests or whatever you know, that she had copied in half. Oh, and, and at this time, one of my colleagues had, had walked in, and he was like, what is going on? And I was just like, please, please put the, put the papers down. Everything's going to be fine. I'm going to have, you know, make sure you get home safe. So he was able to, to walk her out. I texted the, the SRO, and, and I was like, look, please, just make sure she's safe. She's very upset. Make sure she gets home okay. You might need right. to drive her. Oh. So I walked over to the door. I unlocked it, and I, I let the class in. I looked at that substitute and just, thanked her and uh, I mean praise the Lord this lady had a great rapport with this class uh, and she should because she's been the teacher for almost half the year from all the transitions that we've had <laughs> and so right. I just so I, so I, I walked out and just with my head down and called called my boss and let him know what had happened and he said so what'd you learn and I was like uh, to let someone go at the end of the day he said well that's just obvious what did you really learn? That I suck at hiring people? I don't know. He said, no. <laughs> Shovel the pile when it's small. He said, mm -hmm. conversations never get easier. The longer you wait, the worse the outcome is going to be. Oh, yeah. I've experienced that. And your boss was so right. You know, I waited a couple times because I thought, well, the calmer I am, you know, it'll be better. Well, I waited too long sometimes, and I was in a, a pickle just like you were. Now, Tom, your story reminds me of what Todd Whitaker said in his book, Dealing with Difficult Parents. And listeners, you might want to write this down because uh, I think it's really some keen insight. He says, if you do not figure out effective and appropriate ways to interact with difficult adults, you may become apprehensive 
about communicating with other adults. In other words, if you can't address if you cannot address the difficult folks, you will impact your relationship with your more engaging, your your reliable employees. So you have to have those difficult relationships, difficult conversations in order to maintain your relationships throughout the school. So I'll say it one more time because I think it's such an important quote. If you do not figure out effective and appropriate ways to interact with difficult adults, you may become apprehensive about communicating with other adults. Mm. Yeah, Katie, you nailed it. You nailed it. And that, and that quote, if you downloaded that worksheet, that's, that's that first fill-in-the-blank uh, that Katie just shared. And, and you know, I'm going to share the second fill-in-the-blank here. As a leader, you must declare noble intent and hold a mindset that 100% of the adults in your organization are doing the best that they can. Now, however, in this case, in my case, because I was not addressing the issue head on when they occurred, I was losing credibility with the rest of my staff, not necessarily with the woman who was trying to do the feats of strength there by tearing the – it didn't matter with her. I was losing credibility with the rest of my staff. So, you know, Katie, you, you founded a charter school and, and led a charter school. So, so were you able to identify the teachers without even looking at the data, you know, who was going to have the most office referrals or who you were going to have to spend the most time in their classroom? Like, did this change the way you communicated with them or designed your professional development? Well, I'll tell you what. You give me 15 minutes in the classroom with the teacher, and I can tell you if they write a ton of referrals or they need their hands held for instruction. You know, Whitaker goes on in, in his book about teachers with low emotional and interpersonal intelligence and how they can wreak havoc on a school. And it makes me think of an employee I had who couldn't do her job and complained to everyone else about the decisions that I did, how I did my job. Her low emotional intelligence cost me a lot of time and effort. You know, but I hired her two weeks before the school started, but she actually started working for the school a month earlier. It was a you know, bright, shiny new charter school, and she was excited to get to work. And I tell you, that work during the summer was impeccable. She had great plans that wove our mission into everything. She met budget restraints, and she introduced me to people who I had eventually hired as employees. She worked tirelessly. Well, then the students came. School started, and she couldn't do what I hired her to do, which was to teach. She sent students to the office every class period, every day. She gossiped with team members during her planning period, complaining about how I was running the school. Over the summer, she, if she was a senior teacher. She had more years of experience than I do. So I'd asked for her assistance with things like the school calendar and the pickup and drop-off processes. And once school started, you know, pickup and drop-off is a little different on paper than in reality. So once we were live and in action, I saw where there were problems, and I made adjustments. She didn't like the adjustments and proceeded to talk to teacher after teacher, TA after TA, about how wrong I was in making these changes. She felt that if she had a concern, it was necessary for her to speak to as many people as possible so that she felt heard. So when I asked her to come into my office, 
to talk to her about it. She said, but Katie, I was just so concerned. I directed her to come talk with me if she had a concern, but that she was hurting the school community by complaining to everyone else about my decisions. So after I attempted to work with her, I made the decision that I had to cut her off from helping me with operational projects. I, I just couldn't trust her. So I stopped asking for her input. Instead, I asked her to tutor struggling students. She was really good with students one-on-one, -on -one, just not on, in a classroom setting. And I limited her access to information before it was ready for the entire school community. She was great at tutoring, but she was still grousing around campus and couldn't manage her classroom. Hiring a low EQ person really hurt the kids. Mm -hmm. And hiring, that's, that's a whole other uh, training we should probably do uh, pretty soon. We should talk about <laughs> that one uh, for sure because that's really where it comes, right, looking at that hiring. So, mm -hmm. So let's so let's get to the strategies that we promised to actually teach. You know, you know, I don't I don't know if anybody's even listening to us anymore because like I can't learn anything from these two. You know, they uh, weren't able to lead at all. So so, uh, you know, the folks that are still on the call or on the archive are saying, finally, yeah, you know, come on. So, all right. So in your worksheet, the first practice in becoming an effective leader of difficult people is finding common ground. And this, and this means to really seek to understand the individuals we lead and, and what they truly need to be successful. So remember, to lead is to influence. And people need to know, like, and trust you before they'll give you permission to lead them. And some actions to f help find common ground, specifically, the first one is just being curious, being insatiably curious, asking questions, um, and just you know, any response they give, just, just utilize the response to ask another question. Now that entails listening, listening to understand, not listening to reply, and, and, and intentionally spending your time uh, with getting to know your people. And, and our you know, colleague and a mentor of mine, Bud, uh, he, he had taught us this, this great strategy um, that he had uh, utilized. He would have lunch with everybody uh, in his organization um, at least twice a year, sometimes more than that. And during that call, I mean, I'm sorry, during that lunchtime, he, he would just ask them about their hopes and their dreams and where did they, and where did they see uh, themselves. So, so, so important. Now, the false uh, belief that we run into some leaders that we're coaching or working with is that they'll say, well, I don't, I don't have the time to get to know everyone, right? Uh, or, or my life stories are no one else's business, right? Or hmm. really, sometimes I just hear them say, that, look, they, they, they've got a great opportunity here and they should be grateful that they have a paycheck. Right. So to those individuals who think that way, let me just ask you, how much time do your difficult people take from your day? Right? How much energy are you leaking and using just trying to combat the energy of the, of the difficult person? So this includes mental capacity, time consumed, and let's be honest, money, because there's a transition probably occurring somewhere, and research shows that 
uh, turnover cost one and a half times the actual employee salary just based upon the training and, 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 and all the strategies you've got to go through to hire another person. So I've just learned that if you do not prepare on the front end, you will be repairing on the back end. And, and so let's just say that you're very concrete about, I, I don't have the time. One strategy that we use, one, one tool and strategy, is the DISC personality profile. And, and this tool has really helped me build an understanding of me, first of all, and how my personality impacts how people perceive me, how I lead, and how I communicate. And so finding common ground is crucial for every leader in any position. So this DISC profile can help you specifically do that. And so here's just one example of, of you know, when I first was introduced to DISC, um, I was mentoring a, a teammate, and, and I was using all of the form questions, right? the family, occupation, recreation, and mission. I mean, that's really the basis of your, of your if you meet someone for the first time, write that acronym down, form, F-O-R-M, <laughs> family, occupation, recreation, mission. You ask those four questions, and you're bound to find some common ground somewhere that you can build off of. But, so, one, so one day, uh, I, you know, I, she was, we were having a team lunch, and she was talking about her dissertation. And I had just uh, uh, finished mine about a year ago, and, and so I just started asking her questions about her dissertation and where she was with the process and what were her thesis questions. And all of a sudden, she slammed her hand on the table and said, stop asking me questions. It's none of your business. <laughs> I really do a good job with people. Don't I? I'm clearly yeah, a people person. Oh, yeah. so. so I was like, okay, I, just, I was just curious, and I, you know, I, you know, I just wanted to help. So it was about a month later that I went to a training and I took a, a similar assessment to the DISC uh, profile and it really blew my mind how accurate it was, especially the challenges that I bring to a team, just me being who I am, what I bring to the team. And I, was, I said, we, I need to know this about everybody on our team. So I duplicated uh, the test and I gave it to my teammates. And, the first person I read was my mentee. I needed to read her scores so I could figure out uh, how I could better uh, work with her right, and build, build, a, build a relation. Now, it wasn't a surprise when I saw that she was on the opposite side of the spectrum from me on my score. So where <laughs> she needed clear instructions, I needed recognition. Where she valued quality answers, I was fine with uh, just trying to figure out and failing forward. She loved rules and policy where I looked for loopholes all the time. So uh, basically, if you're a Winnie the Pooh fan, I was the tigger to her rabbit, it just, just creating chaos. Uh, so, <laughs> so I just knew, I was like, okay, the only way now that I can utilize this information is we need to spend some, some solid time together. So, so I was like, hey, Tell, tell your husband we're going on a work trip, you know, uh, pack your bags, we'll be back in a couple of days. And so I was going to take her uh, to all the schools that she would be, um, uh, you know, overseeing because I was on my way out of the office and I wanted to make sure she had, you know, built a, built a relation. So, so I made sure that when, that when we, you know, drove out this way that we really talked about the uh, plan. And I gave her think time and, and, and let her create a clear process for what these, these site visits would look like. Now, but in return, we went on hikes. 
We visited classrooms instead of just the principal's office. And we got a real feel for the community because I, everywhere I go, I like to live, live uh, like a tourist. And so I, got her, you know, I was able to get her what she needed, quality answers, clear instructions, and I got what I needed, which is just spending time with people and you know, doing things off, uh, off the cuff. And after 48 hours together, and really 90 days and 48 hours because we had worked together <laughs> for a couple months, she finally asked me a personal question. She asked me, what was the first car you ever owned? And I knew at that point that I had finally earned her trust. Now that was, that was uh, six or you know, five years ago. And since that time, I have been studying this DISC and human behavior, and it's really taught me the difference between task-oriented people and people-oriented people. And, and what the research shows is that over 80% of the conflict on a team is based strictly on task versus people issues. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when, when you take the disc, it's kind of like having a spy, <laughs> like mm -hmm. a spy with all of your teammates, you know, in their mind, and and you know, bringing back that information so you have a better understanding of of what they need and how they're perceiving and 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 what is it that fills their heart um, uh, to 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 feel valued and to feel successful. So to wrap this up here task-oriented people think that people-oriented people are lazy. And people-oriented people think that task-oriented people are just mean. No offense, Katie. <laughs> no offense. None taken. <laughs> yeah, and, and so just yesterday, I administered our uh, communications. We have a new DISC report. It's specifically on communication. Uh, yesterday to an EC director, an exceptional children's director at a charter school, and she said to me, this is the first things that she said, she said, the detail and the accuracy of this report is amazing. So I immediately went to her disc graph. I was pretty sure, but I, I already knew that she was a C, right? She was a high C, a task-oriented person, which means that she's cautious and detail-oriented and she's competent. So this kind of report is right up her alley. It gives her her uh, research-based information, graphs and details, which she loves it. And and I'm on the you know I'm I'm an I I'm I'm an influencer and an inspirer and 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 I love this report too because it really validates a lot of the things that that I value. So these reports are just uh, flat out awesome. So we're going to tell you how to get one. Um, you'll be able to go onto our store uh, tonight and get a, a discounted one. Um, that is really, really going to change uh, the way you uh, look at leadership. Well, even for this D, as I am, which is for direct and dominant, um, and I didn't even realize it until I did my DISC assessment how, you know, that I was bowling people down because I'm so goal-oriented, I forgot that there were people involved. And so it's raised my awareness about that. So. Now I have a different reputation. People find me to be collaborative and all sorts of adjectives they would have never used before. And I agree. These reports offer clear insight on how to play well with others. And that's what we need with our teammates. So let's move to the second strategy. Tom mentioned the first one, find common ground. 
The second strategy that effective leaders utilize is creating a common vision to gain clarity. Creating a common vision helps the team to define the expectations, the behaviors, the norms to hold everyone accountable to. So everybody's on the same page. Now some false beliefs of when I when we make this recommendation to leaders, you know, what's the vision? You know, we'll hear principals say, well, I communicated it in a memo, or I sent it in an email, or I talked about it at a staff meeting at the start of the year, you know, kind of like you did, Tom, <laughs> with your science teacher, even though she wasn't yeah. there. <laughs> uh, but this second strategy makes me think of what happens when a leader doesn't create a common vision with her team. Unfortunately, I was that leader. I didn't take the time to plan out what I wanted, and I found myself with a lot more work than I could manage effectively. So my office manager at the school I, um, that I led, she was terribly efficient. She handled so many different things. In fact, she was so efficient that when she did drop a ball, she's human, um, you know, I would pick it up and I would take care of it. I'd tell myself, oh, she has so much on her plate. The problem was that we were so busy that we never took the time to clearly define every aspect of the office manager's role, or at least how I defined it. We didn't have a common vision. So I had a hard time holding her accountable. Now through the year, I picked up more and more of what I thought was her work. And I, find my, I found myself resenting her for all the drop balls. Now, she had no idea that she, these were her balls and that they had been dropped. She had no idea. So one day, I called her in my office and shared my frustration. She had no idea that I was so frustrated with her, and it felt like an assault to her. So once I clarified that we simply needed to create a vision for her position so that this confusion didn't continue, she was fine, and you know I rebuilt the relationship um, so we you know we could continue to work well together. We created a plan that included regular meetings and a communication strategy for sharing the status of all the different projects she was working on. We resolved to keep the lines of communication open, and I learned a valuable lesson. I am not doing anyone any favors by doing their work. John Maxwell is a leadership guru who Tom and I have both been mentored by, and he has said, you know, leaders see more and leaders see before. It's only seven words, but it's pretty powerful. So let me say it again. Leaders see more and leaders see before. The way I understand that is, you know, that leaders see the entire operation and how each part impacts the other parts and how the whole impacts the community and the industry itself. They see all of this before others do because they know each part so well, and they can anticipate how a change will impact the entire system. To be a strong leader, we have to have a vision of what we want from each teacher and each student, each stakeholder. If we work without clarifying our vision, we risk making a problem personal, like I did, instead of understanding how to help that person. A leader's job is to bring awareness to others, to clarify what is required, and to create a clear path for success. 
John Maxwell also likes to tell leaders, any expectation not communicated is merely a thought. And it's just a thought between your ears, not between your employees' ears. So you have to make sure and communicate it. Don't just think about what your people should do. Create processes and procedures around what they should do. You know, when I was a new school leader, I thought that accountability measurement would hurt my relationship with the office manager and my other employees. But it was exactly what they needed. Yeah, you know, when I think about it, what you just shared is is the biggest blocker of most, you know, most of the schools or most of the organizations that are struggling, that are feeling that they're underperforming or they're bottlenecked, is that that lack of clarity in the team, the role to get to the goal. So, so I want I want to make sure that we hit that point again. So take us back. What talk more about the leaders see more before? How did you gain clarity on your vision so you knew how to uh, communicate? So to see before and to see more, leaders have to create a mental model of perfection, of what it is you desire to see. I remember being in a meeting with a parent, and she was complaining and complaining, but I really didn't know what she wanted. And so I finally stopped the meeting and I said, Mrs. Smith, if you got what you wanted, what would that be? And and then she just said, oh, and she broke it down for me. And then we could move forward. So as the leader, you have to take the time to envision where it is you want to be. Where do you want your students to be? Where do you want your teachers to be? You have to create the vision. Then you need to go to your team and define it collaboratively. So you go in with the idea, but you let the team chew on it and define it. This gets the team's buy-in. Then teach them what steps they need to do to achieve the goal. Don't skip this part. You have to teach them what it is you'd like to see because everyone's going to interpret these steps differently. So teach it to them. Show them how you expect them to do it. Let them practice it. Give them feedback. Then let them practice again until they have mastered it. This will show you who is coachable and who is not. And trust me, you want coachable people on your team because none of us have arrived until we reach our retirement date. Be prepared for resistance and to have this very simple conversation when resistance occurs. You say, here's what we agreed to, but here's what I see. Help me understand. If the person becomes defensive or offers excuses, you can say, well, are you aware? Then fill in the blank with what they are doing instead of what they are supposed to be doing. One tool that we have utilized to really gain this clarity is our communication slash collaboration workshops. This is where we bring the team together and share the disk profiles of one another to gain understanding. And it's funny because, you know, these are the rarest part of the population. And I think if we had more Ds, there'd probably be, the murder rate would be higher. So it's, you know, for our own <laughs> Yeah, there's <safety>. a reason. <laughs> there, yeah, we said, but the Ds, it's always interesting who the D is in the room. And there's usually just mm. one, depending on the size of the group. But then we have a healthy discussion about what communication and collaboration will look like moving forward. You know, those teachers I mentioned at the beginning of the call, we really could have used this, you know, as a team to understand each other because I clearly missed something about 
uh, their personalities. Now, every time leaders are, you know, with people, you know, two or more of your employees, you should be sharing the purpose, vision, and goals that you have for the school. That is something else that we can help you with. We offer thinking partner sessions to help you gain this clarity. Yeah, clarity is key, right? I mean, people... Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So the third and final strategy we're going to teach today is, about, is, is getting off your agenda and being about the people that are under our charge. Okay? So getting off your own agenda and about taking care of those people. So some examples to, to make this happen. The easiest one that you, you could do tomorrow if you're not already doing this, lead by walking around. You've got to get out of your office and start leading the school leading the organization from, from the floor. You want to be able to solve problems from as close to the problem as possible. So to get there, you have to observe. You have to get into, into classrooms, in the hallways, into you know, whatever your organization's you know, product line is, and ask questions. Be curious. Say, hey, I notice you're using this uh, strategy. You know, tell me more about it. Okay, and that's and that's that's just a critical critical part. And then you could even ask them. So if it gets a little harder, if you got some some you know folks that are a little bit higher on the accountability partner side, some of your backbones of the organization, ask them, hey, what's it like to sit across the table from me? <laughs> How can we do this better? Or if you really got some, what do you expect of me in my job? Right? What is it that you you know, teacher or whatever role that they may have, what do you expect of me? Because I need to know. Going back to that clarity piece, just like my employees need to know what's expected of them, I need to know what they expect of me. Hmm. So about two or three weeks ago, I did a teaching call on being, being uh, busy and how being uh, busy or perceived being busy by your people, you lose information, right? You lose information. And, and and a story came to mind immediately. Uh, it, was, it was our second or third year of the business, and, and you know, we had one of our teammates was in charge of all of our finances. And, and it wasn't really something that was, was in his wheelhouse, but he did it because he wanted to be a good team player, and, and he did the best job that he could. Well, so the W-2s and the 1099s that go out at the start of the year, one of our third our um, 1099 contractors had called me and said, hey, my 1099 doesn't look right. Can you check it out for me and make sure? I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even know that they, that they went out. So I had asked, asked the guy in charge of finances, hey, you know, you know, this guy thinks his 1099 is wrong. Can you show them to me? I want to you know, take a look. And within 10 seconds of looking at them, I knew that all of them, all of them were hmm. wrong. They all had wrong figures on it and, and all these issues and dates on it. I was like, oh, oh my God, this is, this is an issue. I was like, how come I never saw this? And he's like, well, this is, this is my responsibility, and, and you're really busy. You have a lot of things on your plate. Yeah, yeah true, but you know, it's, it's part of your job to be checking in on those important parts when you're a leader. Okay? 
So you can, you can empower people to do things, but it doesn't mean that you ignore those things. <laughs> you, know, you still have to check in. So, so this little issue, you know, when we fixed it, six weeks later I got that letter that every business owner dreads, that letter from the IRS saying that you're being audited based upon <laughs> your files, right? So this little, this little thing costs way, you know, time, time and energy. So, so really a good question to ask is, what's a question you've been dying to ask me but have felt that I was too busy to answer? Hmm. Right? Or if there's one thing you could do to change the culture of this organization, what would you do if you're in charge? So some false beliefs that we see in leaders that we work with is, is that uh, they lead by faulty assumption. And I'll just call it the Tom Miller syndrome. Right? This, and there's no medication for this except just being hit by a <laughs> two by four. So faulty assumption. So you want to uh, read every article that I read. You want to work as late as I you know, work. You want to work as right? you know, Nobody works as hard as I do. It's just really, I mean, you've you got to get off your own agenda here and on the agenda of other people. So one great tool that we use for a team to be heard, because remember, no one's going to listen until they, they know that they've been heard. So, so one great tool that we use, it's, it's called the leadership game. So if you've played a board game with your family or with your friends, you know, it's a safe, com comfortable setting. So, so this is the same setting except the game and the cards are more about leadership and communication mm -hmm. and strategy and organizational health. It really gives a chance for your people to be heard in a safe setting. So one question that came out recently uh, during a game I was playing with a team, a very, very successful school and team, is, was about you know, maximizing potential and prioritizing um, you know, all the work. And, and she just immediately started to break down and cry and, and said, you know, I feel like I'm letting you all down. I'm, I'm not hitting all, all, all my responsibilities. And I really, you know, every day I come in, I got a full load of things, and I don't leave until late. And it was a tough, it was a tough conversation. At the end of the game, I always ask everybody around the table, what, what's your call to action? What's, you know, something that, you know, you're going to take away? Because that's really all that matters, you know, your uh, takeaway. And her, um, one of her principal colleagues said, well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to her office and give her a hug and ask her, how can I help you? What can I do to help you? And mm -hmm. so it was just interesting that a board game, right, is what created that someone feeling heard in your, you know, in your team. And so the next time that I actually was on campus with them a couple of weeks later, she had told me that not only you know, did she get some help, but they hired her some full-time support too, mm -hmm. right? So just, you know, you know, just, just little things can sometimes make a difference. So, so just imagine you know, the power of that, you as a leader sitting around with your team and really hearing authentic, healthy conversation about leadership and communication uh, where they don't feel threatened. So, um, so, that's, so that's a great opportunity that, that, that we have, the leadership game. So, so just to recap, Katie, because we've because you know we've talked a while, and I want to make sure that we open up the queue for anybody who wants to talk to us. But um, the three strategies that leaders utilize to lead difficult adults without conflict or wasting time and energy. The three that we talked about. The first one was finding common ground, knowing who you are and who your people are, to better your 
to lead yourself and them. That's right. So, and the second one is creating accountability through a common vision because any expectation not communicated is merely a thought. So make sure you have created that common vision with your team. And this involves the third strategy, which is getting off your agenda. Because leadership is not about being in charge. It is about taking care of those who are in your charge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so this, this call here, this, uh, you know, 50, I think we've been on for 52 minutes. It just made me realize how terrible of a leader I was, to be honest. And I, and I wish I had a call like this every every week, you know, to hop into to to talk leadership and to learn from you know folks that have um, you know been there and and you know done it before. So, uh, so uh, I really need these classes, is you know what I'm saying. So what I like to do is is to take just the next two minutes here and talk to you a little bit more about the opportunities, you know, based upon. Uh, this call and your investment in this call. So one is, Kate, you know, Katie and I want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to have their own DISC personality profile. If you've never had one, uh, Katie and I are both certified DISC uh, trainers, and so we have uh, cut the prices of our DISC profiles in half. Um, and it's so for for a $50 investment. And when I was thinking about this, Katie like $50 I've wasted a million times and not gotten the value. But I mean, if you, that's right, if you invest the $50, you're going to have a better understanding of how you are perceived, how you lead, how you communicate, and you're also going to get this incredible detailed report about how you best communicate to others and how they best communicate to you and what are your strengths and what are your, and what are your opportunities uh, based upon your personality style. It only takes 10 to 15 minutes to complete. And like I said, you know, your report is going to be somewhere between 20 and 40 pages, depending on the one that you choose. And we have leadership, and we have communication, and we also have some for uh, young adults, high school students, college kids, and individuals in, in career transition. So that until Sunday, we're going to offer uh, for 72 um, hours um, after the offer is made, uh, you have this opportunity. And, and so this is just you just reading it on your own. Katie and I, we can do a debrief with you as well, and we've uh, cut that price in half. So for $97, you can get a DISC profile and a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with us to take you through that report. So it's for less than $100, I and mean, you're going to get an amazing, amazing investment. Uh, most importantly, it's going to change your life uh, personally. It, it has really impacted how my relation with my spouse and in my community and with my children, which is, which is way more important to me than, 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 the, than the relationships that I build uh, professionally. And then, so, and then, so that's one opportunity, and you're going to get an email about that uh, to be able to go into our store. And then so the second offer, so this is where, you know, honestly, I think we've lost our minds, Katie, but it's, it's so important that every team, I, you know, like as, as we've, uh, you know, observed, teams that are struggling struggle because they don't have clarity and they don't communicate and they don't have accountability measures. And, and you, you, know, you just have a bunch of individuals. It's, it's not a team. So, so what we would like to do is to take those three specific programs that we talked about during our call today, DISC, 
the leadership game and the communication collaboration workshop, and we're going to combine them into one uh, package for a team of mm. eight. Now, if you were going to get this on your own, each each like individual, it would cost almost six thousand dollars for an organization to have this. And what we've done is we've dropped the price to nine hundred and ninety-seven dollars total, uh, less than a thousand dollars to to gain clarity, build understanding, get a common ground and a common vision, so you as an organization can move forward. It's it's honestly when I was looking at all the all the packages that we've ever offered, it's in my opinion, the most important. So this too will also be good through Sunday. Um, after that, it's you know going to go back to its regular pricing. Um, and in just a little bit, you should be receiving an information about this opportunity that will be good for 72 hours. And if you have any questions, you know, reach out to me. My email is tom at lbleaders.com and. Katie is katie at lbleaders.com. Reach out to us if you have any specific questions. And I want to tell you that we believe in you. I told you at the beginning of this call that we wake up each day to be the difference maker in the leadership development of individuals and organizations. We are here to serve you. Uh, this is why you know, I left uh, a very comfortable government job uh, to do this, right? to work with teams, to work with individuals, to turn their ideas uh, into a heartbeat and, and to help them make their vision uh, be true. So we hope that we hear from you in the future. Uh, we hope that this call added extreme value to you. And if it did, share it. Share it with a team. Share your worksheet. Go back through this, and just you, you could just study this hour that Katie and I have spent with you, and I guarantee, I guarantee you're going to have better results as an organization. So, so on behalf of leaders, building leaders, and Katie, you guys, everybody, have a great night, and thank you for investing your time with us. Thank you. <laughs>